that's why you have to be, you know, be sure that your body of work is one that's widely respected and you do it with a ton of integrity and you get great results and you always are doing the right thing because everybody's watching, everybody knows everything about you. And when you do decide to do what I did and make this move and, and you know, and look at life in a new way and a new adventure, um, people are, you know, calling you. Welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I'm here today with a wonderful guest all the way over from the US. So we're going across the pond today. I've got Lisa Lutoff Perlow here with me, who is Vice Chairman of External Affairs for the Royal Caribbean Group. But there is so much more to Lisa than that title. And we're going to get into that. Nice to see you, Lisa. It is an absolute pleasure, Jeanette, and um, I, I have to acknowledge it's a sunny day over in uh, in England, and that's wonderful for you. <laughs> I know. We always talk about the weather as Brits, because when it's bad, yeah. it's bad, and then when it's sunny, yeah. we get overexcited, yeah. but you're, you're right. You have brought some sunshine into my life, Lisa, so you must be a good Perfect. omen. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, Jeanette, and vice versa. <laughs> Fabulous. So Lisa, you know, I've come across you over the years of my my years in the travel industry. And obviously you've had a very illustrious career in, in the cruise sector and the cruise industry. Um, but do you want to just take us through a little bit around your background, how you've ended up where you are? And, and then we're going to really explore some of the exciting experiences that you've had through your, uh, your career so far and, and also what's coming next for you as well. Okay, well, let's see. Let me start with the fact that uh, this year, 2024, I'll be celebrating 39 years in the company. So that is quite an amazing feat. Um, I'm not sure many people do that anymore. I started at the very bottom, door-to-door uh, -door sales, calling on travel advisors and partners up in New England, where I'm from, small town in Gloucester, Massachusetts, a small fishing town. Um, and I ended up in the cruise industry completely by accident. That's another long story in and of itself. But uh, once I entered in as uh, in my sales role, I just worked for 30 years, actually, between the time I started and the time I ended up getting appointed to president and CEO of Celebrity Cruises. Uh, and the great thing about my career is uh, three times in the company, I was the first woman to be appointed to certain positions. Clearly, the, the most high profile was president and CEO of Celebrity, first woman in our company to be in the C-suite or be the president and CEO of one of our brands. Um, it was a long and windy and wonderful road for an amazing company in an amazing industry. Yeah, and, you know, you, you mentioned there around being the first woman in those roles and my God, I've been in that position myself through my career where I've been all the only woman in the boardroom, in particular with P&L and everything that comes with that. Now, times are changing for us, Lisa, you know, which is great. But nonetheless, we've still got a way to go. Now, I know you're really passionate about, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion, in particular gender diversity, uh, but so much more than that. So can you take us back to that very first appointment where you got the first big job as, you know, a woman in a role, which was quite unusual and, and kind of how like life was then and how it shifted from from then to now uh interesting question because in throughout my career I never thought about my gender as um something that could hold me back even though I was uh, ascending within a very male-dominated industry and when I I you know it was 
only, there were men who were the my bosses at the time of every promotion up to and including president and CEO of celebrity. And I, and they were very open to best person for the job should get the job. It just so happened, you know, there weren't many women rising through the ranks in our company that would even be uh, potential candidates for roles like this. So, you know, I believe in that regard, everything happened in the time and for the reason it was supposed to. When I was assuming some of these roles as the first woman, I did encounter some skepticism along the way by colleagues and even some of the people I became the, the boss of because they were all men. And I wasn't always a subject matter expert in the roles that I was being given. And they were wondering, you know, why or how did she get this job and what can she do for me? And, and what I learned during that time was that you know, a great leader is a great leader. And that's what people are looking for. Captains aren't looking for someone who was a captain to be their leader at the end of the day. Even they realized that in time and that it was more important that I was there to to set the strategy, set the vision and just help them be successful uh, and be the leader and boss that they needed me to be. When I was appointed to president and CEO, it was 30 years into my career. I didn't think of my gender at all. Um, but what I soon realized is my gender was a big deal in it for the rest of the world. It was a big deal for the company and all the women in the company. It was a big deal externally. My phone was ringing off the hook. I was a little annoyed and um, about it and overwhelmed by it because I really didn't expect it. And then what I did is I um, thought about that for a minute and said, you know what? If everybody thinks this is a big deal, I'm going to make it a big deal. And I am going to use this platform to improve um, gender equality in an industry that's woefully in need of it. And then I thought, here's the other thing I thought, you better not screw this up because you're the first, you don't want to be the last. And so many women are counting on you to do this well. And so those were the two things that really popped into my head uh, when I was appointed to that position. Oh, fantastic. And, you know, at Celebrity, you, you were there a long time and you had that that key leadership role. And Celebrity, I would say, has has done some amazing things in this space, you know, whereby people will almost quote what you've done at Celebrity as a case study for how yeah. a very male dominated sector can really shift the dial you know and I think aviation has some similar elements if I look at yeah. EasyJet and what yeah. Johan Lundgren has done there with you know female pilots etc you know there are some um, similarities but but with with Celebrity do you just want to talk a little bit around the big changes that you managed to, to drive through because someone who's maybe leading another business that's, you know, also thinking, how can I make change in the right way? You know, when it comes to gender equality could probably learn a lot, I think, from, from what you've achieved at Celebrity um, on, in that area. Well, you know, Jeanette, I'm often asked about that and I'm, you know, I have a lot of conversations with people who are very committed or they say they're committed to gender equality. And saying you're committed to gender equality and actually making significant change are two different things because it takes intention, it takes discipline, and it takes purposeful actions every single day. And 
as a leader, you can't be the only one focused on that. And I always give the men that I worked with a tremendous amount of credit for helping me get from 3% to 33% of women on our bridges. They were the ones out recruiting these amazing women. They were helping me change the culture on board that made them feel welcome so that they stayed. They felt empowered. They felt like if they started as a cadet, they could definitely see a path to being captain. There are so many women that that come into the industry at the lowest levels because that's how you have to start. But they are quickly ascending based on their skills and their talent and their performance into very high level roles. And for me to see that, um, because if you try to change a culture by bringing in um, women, but you don't create the right environment for them, they're only going to leave. And so it's it's a multifaceted, multi-pronged approach. And we did it beautifully at Celebrity. And we, you know, still to this day, as I look at the industry, Celebrity is at the top of the list in terms of what we've done for gender equality. And then I have to end this story with how it, I began my journey to gender equality, which was hiring Captain Kate McHugh who um, was the first American, first and still the only American woman who's the captain of a mega cruise ship and the first woman captain for celebrity. And she's a rock star, as you know, and as so many others know. And she's been a great um, advocate for celebrity. She's recruited a lot of women into celebrity. She's, uh, she's a role model and an amazing human being and amazing captain. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've been on Celebrity um, myself, so I've I've experienced um, when it was the launch last year. I was on board, and uh, uh -huh. it was fantastic to see. Well, I'll say three power women on that stage. Obviously, yourself, Lisa, yes. Captain yeah. Kate, and also yeah. the wonderful Joja Mosca, who That's is. Right. Yeah. Is, is such a key person in the industry as well and yeah. just the energy the energy yeah. on that stage was uh -huh. incredible um you know and and I think you know you mentioned about role models and you know I think that's critical because people need to see there's uh -huh. someone that I can identify with that's in that role oh my gosh that could be possible for me too right. um and how important for you have been role models Lisa through your career you know whether they're male role models female role models you know they come in all shapes and sizes but how important has, you know, a role, role models been for you in shaping your career, do you think? I think they're important to all of us. You know, I think about role models and different things. I think about role models in my career and most of them were men because every position I had, I had a man that was a boss and you learn the good and you learn the things that you don't want to do. That's, that's true for all of us. Right. And, um, you learn, uh, you know, they help you grow even in your career and what you learn um, as you're going through positions and as you're ascending in the company, you're learning and learning. And I feel like curiosity and learning is so important to all of us. Anyone who thinks they know everything is really knows nothing because we have so much to learn from other people. And some of those people were above me. Some of them were beside me and some of them were below me. You know, you learn from everybody around you. And I think that's really important. And I've always tried to do that as a leader. I, I never thought I was the smartest person in the room, but I wanted to surround myself with really smart people. And then there are other role models that I have in the world that are out there doing so many wonderful things and using their voice, their platform and their position for good. And that was something I always wanted to do. And I am i don't think it was during the session that um, that you saw with Joe, myself, and, and Kate on the stage. It was another um, session that we had, and somebody was asking the people on the stage, you know, what's, 
you know, what's your, what's your biggest priority? And mine is to make a difference. And you can do that in so many different ways. And I've always tried to do that in every position that I've been in, but especially as the president and CEO of Celebrity. Mm. And, you know, you talked about leadership as you were talking, Lisa, you know, you surround yourself with really smart people. And actually, as a leader, you don't have all the answers and it can be a really yeah. lonely place at the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk a little bit about your leadership style, what's worked for you through your career and where maybe has have you not always got it right when it comes to leadership? Because we mature, don't we? Especially when, you, when you're oh, earlier yeah. in your career, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. we think we have to know it all. And, and, yeah. and of course, yeah. as we get a bit older and wiser we realize no just get a yeah. really smart team yeah. around you <laughs> so yeah. how, how have you evolved would you say with your leadership oh my goodness I have involved I've evolved significantly I you know I have a t-shirt it's one of my favorite t-shirts that I wear and I got it when I was in the Galapagos and you know Darwin's theory of evolution and he was in the Galapagos and some people agree with that and not so I mean I'm not I'm not bringing that up for any other reason than to say what's on that t-shirt is the thing that I I live by and it it says evolve or become extinct and I believe that we all need to evolve as human beings and we need to evolve as leaders. And I remember early in my career, I didn't lean into the things that were probably natural for me as it relates to, you know, I know that a lot of people, there's a lot of research and science to prove that women are more empathetic, we're more caring, we lead in a different way. And I think early in my career, I didn't want to... Um, I didn't want to focus on the things that were probably naturally inherent to me being a woman because I would, all men were in these other jobs. And so I wanted to pretend uh, and act like a man. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to men and how they lead or maybe some of the innate qualities they have versus the innate qualities that women have. But what I learned in my career is as I embraced those qualities and became a more empathetic and caring leader who held people very accountable, who achieved extraordinary results, who was driven, ambitious, and had a job to do, especially as president and CEO returning um, extraordinary shareholder value, which was my what my primary responsibility was, I knew I could do it in a way that was caring because what I learned as a leader is the discretionary effort you get from people when they know you genuinely care about them is priceless. And they in return will genuinely care for you. And when somebody wants to do something for you, not just the company, that it doesn't get any better than that as a leader. When people miss you after I step down at Celebrity and I know so many people miss me, I think that's something as human beings is the best we can ask for is when you're not there anymore, people miss you. And they miss me for a lot of different reasons, but I think the way I led them was is probably at the top of the list. Yeah, and, and you're right. You know, there's a lot of buzzword around authentic leadership and, but actually, you know, it is about showing that human to human side, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah. you know, you we bring our whole selves to work. Life isn't, doesn't fit into neat little boxes. Um, right. And I think, I think if you can have that human to human contact and relationship, then you're right, you bring the best out in people. And, and Lisa, when you were, you know, when you were making a decision to step down from, from, you know, celebrity in the role that you had, was that a really difficult decision for you? Or had you naturally reached a point in your career where it just felt 
it was the it was the time to to move on. Both, both. Um, you know, I um, my age is public record, and I also told you I've been in the company for thirty nine years. I accomplished so much at Celebrity. I brought it back from the from the despair of COVID and and got us back to an amazing place. Um, I transformed the industry with the Edge series, with the experiences we created, with the ships we designed and brought into the industry. I transformed the financial performance of the brand. I transformed gender equality. I've done a lot of good. And I just knew as so many people, not just my age, but other ages, as you think about your life and you think about what you've done and you think about what should the next chapter be, you have to come to the realization that um, it might be time to try something else and do something else. And, um, you know, I, I tell the story um, in uh, my forthcoming book that it takes a lot of courage to be a leader. Uh, you know, it takes a lot to be a leader. You know, the three things I identify are smarts, heart and courage. And I particularly lean into courage. And it also takes a lot of courage to know when it's time to step away and actually do it because so often we all are inextricably connected to what we do and we think that defines us and it's all we've done for so long and you can't think of anything else or life beyond that but I went through some pretty significant things between being out of business for COVID um, for 15 months and losing my sister um, which was a very it was the worst experience of my life and so at a certain point in time, I say, you, you know, I thought to myself, you got, you've got nothing left to prove, nothing else to do. Let's go, let's go find a new adventure. But at the same time, it was really hard leaving that brand that I built and that I loved so much and the people that I worked with that I loved so much. So it, I was very conflicted, but in the end, I, I knew it was the right thing to do. And, uh, and I did it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's so hard when you lose someone so close to you. It's, 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 yeah, there are no words, are there, that's going right, to kind of cover that off. And so, yeah. you know, huge condolences. Thank and, you. And I think when, when something like that happens, and I don't know, maybe it comes with age. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, it comes a little bit where you you reassess, you know, something yeah. might happen in your life and you kind of go, okay, well, yeah. what's the next phase? What, what, why yeah. am I here? You start asking some right. of these big questions, I think. Right. And um, right. it can help help us reprioritize what's important as well sometimes. Sure. Yeah. 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 And also take everything you've done and learned and apply it somewhere else. Because, you know, listen, when you're in a company for 39 years, you don't think that's possible. You think, oh, my God, this is all I'm ever going to do and all I'm ever going to be. And at the end of the day, it isn't. And that's another thing that I learned. You know, I've learned so much in my career and I've learned that your body of work is, um, you know, that's why you have to be, you know, be sure that your body of work is one that's widely respected and you do it with a ton of integrity and you get great results and you always are doing the right thing because everybody's watching, everybody knows everything about you. And when you do decide to do what I did and make this move and, and you know, and look at life in a new way and a new adventure, um, people are, you know, calling you and, but before they call you, they're checking up on you. And so you know, I, I was relating this to my husband the other night, maybe it was just last week, I think, where I said, you know, um, I always knew my body of work and what I did and how I conducted myself. And, um, 
you know, what I accomplished was important, but I realize it's even more important after, you know, uh, leaving my position and getting ready to leave the company than it was even while I was doing it because it has served me well as I've been considering different options now that I'm uh, writing my new chapter, literally and figuratively. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I agree. And I think what's interesting around um, career choices and career progression or business life and personal life, you can constantly reinvent yourself. You know, you're, you're, you've still got the heart of, you know, your values and maybe some of the experiences you've carried with you from childhood, et cetera. But it just gets layered on top and layered on top like an onion almost. You know, yeah, we have these yeah. these these amazing changes that we can make and and those skills we don't lose you know we carry them with us into a new a new phase and I think that's refreshing to hear because I think some people get very stuck you know Uh and they they might want to make a change and they think oh I'd really like to do this that and the other but normally fear uh, holds them back from making that um and and I think it's we there are different versions of ourselves as we go through our life and I think it's um, it's fantastic that you're saying I had an amazing career there loved it achieved a huge amount ran a massive business and now I want to take all of that and I want to serve in a different way to the world yeah and that's exactly what I'm what I'm doing. And um, and, you know, if I think about it, if I take a moment to think about it, it's no different than my career. I pivoted so many different times in my career and I went and did so many different things that I had never done before. And in many ways, it was scary because I was taking on new responsibilities. I was taking on bigger responsibilities. I was taking on bigger groups of people. I was taking on functions that I never actually did. And I, and I figured it out, you know, and I figured it out because I admitted uh, vulnerability. I admitted I didn't know everything. I engaged people to help me and I'm doing the same thing now. So to your point, I mean, that point you just made is so, it really resonates with me. And I didn't think about it until this very moment, having this conversation with you, Jeanette, that yes, you know, we pivot so many times in our lives. And I have, you know, even in, you know, in my book, I talk about how many times I've pivoted in my career. And it was, it was a little, I was a little afraid. It took a lot of courage, but it's the same thing now. I'm just doing it in, you know, as I'm starting to leave the company, but it's nothing I haven't done before. Yeah, we're going to talk about the book in a, in a little while because it's such an exciting, um, well, chapter, book, phase <laughs> of your life, everything. You know, you, to be a published author is an incredible thing. You know, to leave a legacy in that way is something very, very special. And it's not easy. So we're going to talk about the creative process. We're going to talk about the book. Ooh. But before we do that, um, yeah. Lisa, I'm just interested in kind of rewinding a little bit and okay. understand understanding a little bit about young Lisa, you know, the uh, child, the child in Lisa and, you know, how how life started for you that way, you know, you ended up in this huge, huge role with massive responsibility. But what was life like for you as, as a kid growing up, Lisa? Oh my gosh, very different than where I ended up. That's for sure, Jeanette. I grew up in a small fishing town, Gloucester, Massachusetts, 25,000 people. It was Italian and Portuguese primarily. I'm not Italian or Portuguese, but um, uh, they were fishermen and they were all men because not many women fished then. And of course, fishing has really changed over time, but it was a small fishing town, beautiful coastal town. It's turned into a really fun, artsy, lovely community now. And 
Um, and I, you know, people say, when did you become a leader or when did you know you were a leader? And I always say when I was two years old. And I really mean that because it's when my first sister was born. And for some reason, I just have this innate quality where I thought that on that day that my sister was born, that I was now the boss. I was the boss of her. I was the boss of the family. When my second sister came, same thing. Um, I was the one who made their lunches, who had to get them ready for school, made sure they brushed their teeth. Um, you know, I was the leader of the family and I'm sure there were many days they were both extremely frustrated by that and didn't like it, but it didn't matter to me because that's just what I was born to do. And then I got into school, you know, into grade school, I went to Catholic school and, and when I was in school, it was the, uh, the nuns would always pick me to help teach cursive writing or to watch the class when they left the room and uh, make sure everybody behaved. And, you know, when I think back on that, I'm like, man, they must have hated me. These kids, my classmates must have hated me. And I don't know why they picked me, but they did. And so I was like the leader of the classroom. And I don't know, it just kind of, that's just sort of how I've lived my life. And then, um, and then over time, I, you know, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I went to school. I studied accounting. I'm certainly not an accountant type, all due respect to accountants, but the education has served me so well. And, you know, and then I just got into sales because I think I'm a natural salesperson. And, um, and I, and I believe, I always find it serendipitous that I ended up, my parents always owned restaurants. All right. So I was always in hospitality. And I grew up in a town on the water. So I find it serendipitous. I ended up in the cruise business, hospitality on the ocean. And it's like this, my life came full circle and it was through no plan. It just ended up that way. So I do believe that we, you know, we have this journey that we don't quite understand and we don't know where we're going to end up. And if we just let life take us places, it can be in a pretty exciting ride. But, you know, that's just how I've, always been, I guess. People say are leaders born or made. I I think I think you can you can develop and evolve as a leader, but I really think you're born a leader or you're or you're not. Well, certainly in your case, from being two years old, <laughs> being the bossy big sister, I oh, imagine yeah. <laughs> my sister Bobby, who's 14 younger years younger than me, she's like my child, my sister, my best friend. She bought me a little sign that said, I'm not bossy, I just have better ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that sums me up perfectly. And, and it also shows that still to this day, they give me a hard time about being bossy. Well, let's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes when we have these big roles, it comes with the job title, the status, the car, the packet. You know, of course it does. And, and our egos, we all have an ego. Anyone says they have yeah. an ego is yeah. lying, right? We all right. have egos. Right. But sometimes we can get carried away with that, I think, when we're yeah, in, in these yeah. big organisations. And very often it's our family or our friends from many years ago that will bring us right back down to earth. Yeah, <laughs> say, yeah. you're not you're not that important. Yeah. <laughs> you, are, you are just exactly. my big sister, by the way. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I you know, that, but that's a really good point. I have a sign that used to be in my office. I might even be somewhere here now in my home office. It says work hard and stay humble. And I've always really, you know, people say, Oh, you're president and CEO. I'm like, I still pick up the dog poop in the yard, you know, from my dog. And um, I'm really nobody special. And, you know, we've um, uh, in 2017, my husband and I bought 
um, a, a second place back in my hometown of Gloucester, Massachusetts. And I love it there because all I am is cousin Lisa or all I am is this, this high school friend that people went to school with. I'm like nobody. And I love that because it's all so real and, you know, brings back all these memories of your childhood. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're just human beings. We're really nothing special, regardless of the title that might follow us along. So, um, yeah, so I really love to stay grounded and realize that, you know, I never, as a, as the president and CEO of Celebrity, I never thought I was any better than the cleaner who worked on the ship. I actually thought they were more important than I was. And uh, I tried to let them know that on any given day. Yeah, absolutely. And and let's talk about Lisa, about confidence, right? Because you clearly had quite an extrovert personality from, you know, a child. Um, and those people would probably look at you and think, oh, my God, Lisa's got it covered. She's amazing. She's always confident. She's on stage. She can stand up there and speak to hundreds, thousands of people as needed. Do you ever have those wobbles of, you know, insecurity you know not believing in yourself imposter syndrome sometimes people describe it as do you ever have those feelings or have you always just managed to kind of just ride through it in a confident natural way no I always have those feelings I'll, I'll I mean I shouldn't say always but I often have them you know one of the things that I used to tell my team is that you know the one thing you can never do is let fear hold you back. And so, you know, I used to tell my team when we were thinking of doing something with celebrity and it was a change and change isn't easy and change isn't always widely accepted. And, but I knew evolve or become extinct. You know, our brand had to evolve. Our industry has to evolve. We have to evolve so that we can keep relevant, stay relevant. And, and I used to tell them, you know, that when they would tell me we can't do that. And I would say, why? And I'd say, our fear is holding us back. And, and I always used to admit that just because I'm willing to do it, it doesn't mean I'm not a little fearful. Like I too hope it works. I too, am not a hundred percent sure. Um, I too, you know, have a lot riding on this, but I'm not going to let fear stop me or hold me back because that's even worse letting fear hold us back is worse than not trying. And um, that's why courage for me is one of the things that's so important in our lives and in our careers. It's like, you've got to have courage. And so many people are afraid. They're afraid of change. They're afraid of doing something. And, um, and it's a crippling, I think it's a crippling uh, effect on all of us. Mm, yeah definitely so you know when you have those moments this is to help other people that maybe yeah. do struggle with you know putting themselves out to the world um you know speaking on stage etc whatever it may be what are some of the things that have helped you do you think lisa just kind of overcome those those moments where you have we have a wobble little little a voice in our head how what yeah. have you put in place that helps you that might help others well, number one, when you want to talk about getting on stage, because I've been doing it for decades and decades and decades, um, I got better at it. And practice does make perfect, And the, although I'm not in, implying I'm perfect. But I 
every time I walk on the stage, I'm still a little bit nervous. And in many ways, that's good because you can never be overconfident. You can never think, you know, everything is perfect. You always have to make sure that you are sharp and, and honing your skill and feeling the room and, you know, and, and making sure that you are agile and flexible. So, you, you know, we should never get rid of all of it. But you know, my only my only tip is that, again, you have to think about, you know, people used to tell me, you know more than they do. So when you get up on stage, they're, you know, you, you're the person that's speaking to the content. So don't, they're not going to judge you on that because, you know, they don't, they, they're going to believe you. So, you know, you should know your content and make sure you're telling things that are true, but that you shouldn't let those things like impact your ability to speak with confidence because the reason you've been chosen to speak or the reason you're going out there is because you're really good at it. And then the thing that I did in leadership when I was making decisions and I was thinking about the different changes we were going to make and some of those came with some risk is that, you know, you just have to use everything you've learned and and you have to understand and calculate the risk. You know, you have to realize that Yes, there's some risk in this, but based on everything I know, everything I've learned and everything I've looked at that has led me to this decision, the data I've looked at, the consumer feedback I've looked at, the industry trends that I've looked at, I truly believe this is the right thing to do. And then you know that your risk of failure is is small. And listen, I had some epic fails in my career and I learned from those. I learned that you always need to ask the right questions. You always need to have the right information. You need to surround yourself with a great team. You all need to be committed to the same outcome. You know, those are the things that you can do to make sure that you are, you, you, you're going to move forward with something that, you know, might be holding you back and, um, and go for it. At the end of the day, you know, you don't have a lot to lose, really. You've got so much to gain and so little to lose. Mm, that's brilliant advice. I love that. And, you know, you make a good point around not everything goes right. You know, we we fail at things. I fail yeah. all the time, you know, and we learn from yeah. it. And, and and that's good. I always say if you're if you're not failing, you're not trying. Right. Actually, you're, right. You're in, you're in your safe zone. You're in right. your comfort zone where... Right it's mediocre and I don't want mediocre in my life. You don't want mediocre in your life. So, so I understand that, but you know, with some of the failings or some of the things that haven't gone so, so smooth for you, Lisa, can you give an example or or just maybe share a little bit of color around that? Yeah. Well, it was back in uh, 2008 when we were starting up a new brand, a celebrity was running the brand and we were starting it up and um, yeah, everything, it was an epic fail. Anything that could go wrong did. And it was because Um, I was probably too new in my position and didn't know the right questions to ask. And when I asked the questions and I was given answers, I trusted and I probably shouldn't have because it was a team that I was working with that I inherited and I knew was probably not the team that was going to carry us into the future. And so um, it was uh, it was a tough situation in that regard. And I. um, And I was responsible for you know the outcome the successful outcome of this launch and uh, you know completely redoing and modernizing the ships and going to this new itinerary and, and it was just when you know when we were ready to greet the guests nothing was done nothing was finished nothing was right it was it was terrible that our travel partners you know were disappointed our guests were disappointed the travel press was disappointed it was terrible 
Um, and what did I learn? I learned that you need a great team around you. I learned that you have to have people that you can trust that, um, you know, that have your back. And I didn't. Um, and I learned that the worst of people come out in the comes out in the worst of times. And I learned that the best in people comes out in the in the worst of times. And what I did end up finding is those best of people and the people who helped me recover. And what I didn't do as a leader is I didn't leave the ship the day that all the guests were arising, arriving. Every other shoreside leader left the ship except me. And I stayed because I didn't want to leave the crew and that onboard team to clean up the mess. I wanted to be there to help. I wanted to look them all in the eye and say, this didn't go well. And I take full responsibility, whether some of those elements were my fault or not, it didn't matter. And I looked at them all and said, I need your help to fix this. And they all looked at me and said, let's go. And I stayed with them for seven weeks. And I also found a woman who was in the up in the organization at the time who was on the ship and she stayed with me. And I really didn't get to know her very well up until that time. And I realized that this woman, and this is where, you know, sometimes you don't understand the talents of some of the people that you're working with because you don't take the time to know them or learn that. And I realized this woman knew everything. And if I had just gone to her at the very beginning and said, hey, can you help me make sure I get this thing up start, started up well? I, it would have been an, a colossal success. And she was a huge part of helping me, you know, get it, get it right. But um, yeah, but that was, um, yeah, I'll never forget that. It was, uh, it was, the, you know, there are other little things along the way, you know, there's some things I try, they don't work. Oops, we, you know, probably didn't think of this or that. And let's make it better next time. And let's think about, you know, figure out what went wrong and fix it. But that was an epic fail that I will never forget. And there were so many different reasons why it didn't, it didn't go well. But I will tell you, I gained more respect as a leader during that time than any other situation that I've probably been in in my entire career. It's an ironic, actually, out of something, you know, that seems a disaster at the time. And of course, it, it clearly was really difficult. You actually can come out the other side and come out stronger. Yep. Yeah. And I did stronger and smarter, a little wiser, a <laughs> little less trusting. But you know what? Sometimes you have to do that, especially when you're running a huge operation. I mean, you know, you've got to. And that's why I say the progression of my career was so wonderful, because I did so many of the jobs by the time I got the big job. And mm. so and knowing the right questions to ask is really important or having someone that you work very closely with that helps you know the right questions is really important. And that's why experience is so important. And people are in such a rush to go from here to there, you know, and there's nothing more valuable than spending time being patient and learning and gaining as much experience as you can so that you are ultimately successful in whatever role that you that you end up in. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, which was very, very difficult for you. And obviously there's the business, recover the business, deal with the press, deal with, you know, all the various stakeholders, the customers, of course, being critical and, and the team. You're going through that, right, as an individual. And, you know, the, how emotionally did you handle that yourself to get out the other side? Because it's one thing to put on a front and deal with the business, but it's another thing to kind of 
lick your wounds and recover as a person, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in some ways I didn't have any choice, right? I had to recover. I had to get up and get, you know, face another day and fix it. But I I do have to say that it impacted me a lot in my self-confidence. Um, I, I'm not a person who likes to fail. I mean, I don't know anyone who does, all right? Let's put it that way. But I'm a very, you know... I like, I want to be thought of as someone who does so many things well and so many things right. And if you ever give it to Lisa, it's going to, you know, if you ever want something fixed, you give it to Lisa. If you ever want something to be great, you give it to Lisa. That's the person I wanted to be. So when you think about that, I mean, listen, I was teaching the other kids in school and taking care of my sisters. I didn't want to have this colossal failure. It's like, that's not who I want to be and and how I wanted this to all go. And, um, and I'm a tremendously proud person. So, oh my gosh, it impacted me on so many different levels. But I survived, you know, it's like the, everything you go through in your career, in your life, you you survive these things because you um, you dig deep and yeah. you find those things inside you that are the dominant features. And you don't let this temporary setback um, impact you for a long period of time. And oh, by the way, these other people are out there killing themselves to make it good and make it better. You better get out there and do the same thing and rally the troops, you know, so. Um, you know, you call, I call on those inherent positive things. Somebody said, you know, when I was getting ready for this conversation with you, I talked to someone we both know and said, how would you describe Lisa? And they said, a relentless optimist. And that's so true because I am a relentless optimist. And I approach everything in a very positive, we can do this, we're going to win kind of way. But when something like that takes all the wind out of your sails, pardon the, you know, pun, <laughs> it's, it's, it's devastating. But the good news is if you're a relentless optimist, you pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you live to face another day and you fix it. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a great saying, actually, which I, it was on a video, I think, from Dr. Uh, Jessica Houston. And the, she says, you have a choice, right? You can sit on the pity potty or you can pull yourself up. And mm -hmm. and that's it, right? Isn't it? In life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. So, Lisa, I'm excited about this next phase of your life. Um, you've got the book, Making Waves, which is going to be out imminently. There we have. There, there we, we have, have it. Fantastic. Yeah. So tell tell us about the book. Tell us about why you decided to write it and and how it really will help people who read it, because there's so much in there that's fantastic content. Um, you know, it's the reason that I was so excited to talk to you today. Um, it's I wrote the book because. Like so many other things in my career, I never expected to be a published author. It, it was never in the on my list of, you know, my checkbox, my to-do list. Um, never thought I had a story to tell. Never thought anybody would care. But everybody that I encountered would tell me, you need to write a book. Um, I've had an unbelievable career. I've had a career that um, not many others have had. I was a woman who did it. And, you know, the subtitle of Making Waves is A Woman's Rise to the Top Using Smarts, Heart, and Courage. And I started at the bottom and I rose to the top and not a lot of people do that either. You know, a lot of people, a lot of executives come in kind of in upper management or close to the top and then ascend to the top. I didn't. I started at the very bottom. I come from a little small fishing town in Massachusetts. My philosophy is if I can do it, you can do it. I mean, there's nothing that special about me that made this happen. 
And I think that the reason that I was able to do it is because I used my head. Uh, I consider myself an intelligent person. None of us can get to be president and CEO if we don't have smarts. I used my heart, which I think was my superpower. And, uh, you know, the X factor that I think made me a great leader and helped me get to where I wanted to go because people, you know, one thing I learned along the way is people, you need people to want you to be successful. Um, and I, uh, and I, you know, tried to navigate my career in that way. And you have to have a lot of courage. And so as I thought about all the things that I had done, and as I had conversations with people about how did you do this? How did you do that? Everybody said, you need to write a book. And so finally, I'm like, all right, fine. I will I will take a stab at this. And uh, it's been six years in the making. Uh, COVID shut this project down completely. But, you know, now we're post-COVID a few years. And I started it two or three years before. Um, and I really did it to help people, just like I'm having this conversation with you. I'm hoping that people who read it, I'm sure it will appeal to women. I am the poster child for gender equality. I am a woman who made it. Um, but I think it's it's a great book for anyone. And there are so many lessons that I learned along my way that I'm hoping somebody can pull out a few nuggets. Um, and I hope it helps them in their life or in their career. Yeah, it's fantastic. And there's, there's a, actually a part of this. It talks about in here, the heart, I'm going to read this, right? The hardest part of leadership isn't following the map, but how to lead in uncharted waters, and I think that's right, isn't it? Because we can only have, we can only plan so much. There's a lot that yeah. goes on that's out of our control. Um, and, you know, I think that leadership isn't a straight line, is it? <laughs> no, it sure isn't. And on any given day, you know, and I think it's so important. And, and the book talks a lot about pivoting and being flexible and agile as a leader, because the things that get you to be leaders are usually uh, related to your ambition, your drive and your results. You know, let's face it, that's kind of what people are looking at when they decide who's going to be in certain roles and in different positions. Um, but at the end of the day, as leaders, and one of the things I talk about in here a lot is flexing, you know, some you're, you're flexing certain muscles at certain times for certain reasons. And then you have to completely, you know, downplay those, you know, those things and build other muscles like empathy, like inspiration, like motivation, like building confidence, like giving people hope during COVID when there was no business to care about every day, when the bookings weren't coming in, when we weren't sure when we were going to come back. And so you learn a lot during those terrible times. You learn more during those terrible times, like my epic fail and like being a leader during COVID than you even do during the great times. And um, and you never know what's going to hit you. And you have to um, be able to adjust your sales depending on which way the wind is blowing. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, one of the concepts, I think, as a leader, I always say you've got to be like a helicopter. You know, you've got to be able to hover above, looking at the horizon, the strategic, the longer vision, dealing, you know, surveying what's going on, making those big investment choices, etc. But then there are times when you need to know when to land and roll your sleeves up, get stuck in, whether it's a problem or an opportunity that needs attention. And then importantly, you need to be able to know when to take off again and, and let the team get on with it. So I think as leaders, we're constantly adjusting. Um, how easy has that been for you, Lisa, to, to sign of having come from the bottom up, if you like, in terms of your career where you're busy doing 
to then managing to then leading and being able to make these adjustments how how, how have you navigated that um in your career would you say well i've had to be very conscious of that you know when i was my first promotion was going from a salesperson to a regional sales manager which meant that I went from an individual contributor, only worried about my own targets and hitting my own goals and making my own bonuses to now leading a group of salespeople and not always for salespeople um, are not always great sales leaders because leadership takes completely different skills than functional, you know, functional positions. And so as and so it's probably good that you, you know, take these incremental steps as you go up the ladder, because um, a lot of people who go into leadership positions fail because they don't know how to be a leader. They only know how to be a contributor. And it's so funny because even as I've talked to companies and I'm on the board of AutoNation, which is a publicly traded company, and people, you know, at, even in the interview process, they say, hey, this is a whole nother level of, of differentiation. Well, you're a president and CEO, you know, you're, you're running a business, you're leading a business. What do you see as the differences between being the leader of that business and being a board member? Well, there's a lot of difference. I'm not running that business. It's not my job to run that business. But you have to pivot from being a business runner to being an advisor on a board. And, you know, every time you go into one of these new positions, you have to learn to empower your team and not make their decisions and not do their jobs. And I think the better you can be at that as a leader, the happier your team is going to be because they don't want someone looking over their shoulder constantly and telling them what to do. Now, depending on the experience of that leader, to your point, the helicopter, you might need to get a little lower and then you can back off and, you know, rise back up. And as I've brought new leaders into the into the company or into the brand, I've, you know, handheld them a little more and they've appreciated that. I've taught them things I know, which is great because the other thing about my trajectory in my career is that I knew enough to help everyone on the team, but I didn't need to do their job. So if someone in operations was, you know, what should I do? I could use my experience to guide them. You know, I, I was in sales. So if the head of sales, what should I do? The head of revenue, the head of marketing, you know, I fortunately ran enough functions that people, I was a knowledgeable enough leader. So people, when they really needed my help, they respected my feedback and um, and that's what I was there to do. Give them my ideas, give them, you know, I would always say, don't bring me something until you're just ready for my feedback and, you know, go for it, you know, go, go, go build your plan, go do what you're going to do. That's, you know, why you're in the, your role. And I think it's, it's, it was always frustrating for me when somebody was telling me how to do my job. And so I didn't want to be that leader. But yes, you do have to know when, you know, when you have to be low, medium and high in that um, and again, but that's a, what a great leader does. And sometimes the team needs you to come in and say, all right, no, we're not going to do that. They get stuck. You know, sometimes they get stuck and then you are the boss. You do ultimately have to make that decision. But those are all those things you have to juggle around in your head to, uh, yeah. to decide what the right thing to do is. Well, listen, the book is it's an exciting um, it's an exciting phase in your career. And obviously that's, you know, a, a big milestone to be a published author is it's not an easy thing to do in six years in the making. You know, that's a that's not a, just an overnight project at all. Um, so all credit to you for, for, you know, really writing a fabulous, fabulous book. So where can people get the book, Lisa? February. Well, it's um, it's on sale now. February 20th is the distribution date. It's available on Amazon.com. Um, 
And as many people, some people are, you know, getting one, some are getting multiples for their teams, some are buying them for conferences. And so their bulk purchases available as well. But Amazon.com is always a safe place to go to get uh, get it shipped anywhere in the world. Absolutely. Let's give Jeff a few more of our pounds, shall we, for his um, his, his Amazon empire. But no, you're right. It's, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. It's so easy, isn't it? Honestly, talk about disrupting know, the sector. Problem. It's like my sister and I say that all the time. It's like, this is why Amazon has taken over the world. You can't find the products, you can't find your sizes. You can you go to Amazon, you can find anything. <laughs> and and you can find making waves. So that's the most important thing. And that's right. Find, you can find <laughs> making right. waves. That's wonderful. And and Lisa, you know, what's next after the book? Because I know you've got a lot of things in the pipeline. Are you able to share what that next phase looks like for you? Um, no, I can't, I, I can't share, but what I will say is stay tuned, watch this space. I hope people follow me on social media, LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and that's where all of my news happens and, uh, the different things that I'll be doing, but, you know, keynote speaking is something that I would like to do. So I'm talking to some speakers bureaus about that. I'm looking to join a couple of more corporate boards I'm talking to some people about that. I have another potential fun opportunity that I might get involved with. Uh, stay tuned for that in a couple of months. I uh, might be able to say more about that. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm staying busy and seeing what the universe has in store for me, Jeanette. I love that. You see, when we put our, you know, vibe out into the world, it's amazing what comes back, isn't it? So it's going right. to be an ex exciting That's time right. for you. And and I love that fact that, you know, constant reinvention, reinvention when you were at Celebrity, reinvention at this stage of your life. You know, we're never too old or too young to do anything. I think that's the point, That's right. right? That's right. Um, Fantastic. Lisa, so can I just ask you a few closing, closing questions, if that's sure. all right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you've had um, a very illustrious career and life, a very colourful and interesting life. Can you think of a really good piece of advice that has stood you in good stead um, all these years? Never give up. Never give up. I've had an amazing career, but it hasn't always been easy. And I've been told no quite a few times as I've um, asked for different positions, but I never gave up. And that's my mantra in life and my mantra in my career. I love it. Yeah. So if anyone's having a wobble, just keep going. Keep going. Yep. yep. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, wonderful. And if it, and I think also with that reinvention, if a certain approach isn't working, well, then change the approach or try exactly. a different way. Let's exactly. get creative. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I always say no is my motivation to turn it into a yes. I do that with my husband all the time. And I've done that in my career all the time. It's like when someone <laughs> tells me no... I love it. it. It just invigorates me to change their mind. <laughs> I think that's the salesperson in you, Lisa. There. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't take rejection. <laughs> and nor should you, nor should you. And, you know, if you were thinking about the, you know, the last year, and if you could describe that in one word, what would it be and why? <sighs> Transformational. You know, I've gone through so much transformation in 2023. And I look at 2024 as my new beginning. And um, yeah, 2023 was a big year of change. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. What's, yeah. yeah, thank you. I'm so, I'm so excited for you. What's next? Uh, I think the best is yet to come, Lisa. I hope so. Thank you, Jeanette. <laughs> I so hope so. I hope you're right.
I'm sure I am. See, I, 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 don't, I don't know everything, but I have a good feeling. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a great, a great 24 and beyond, you know. Uh, and beyond. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So no limits. So, Lisa, brave, bold, brilliant. Oh, what man, does man. that what does that mean to you? I Listen, I, I, I was thinking about that as I was getting ready for our discussion today, but I've also been thinking about it since the first outreach about doing this podcast. I'm like, oh, my God, I love the title. Are you kidding me? Bold. That's so me. Brave. That's so me. You know, I just <laughs> talked about courage and, you know, I've taken a lot of risks. I've done a lot of things. So I'm a pretty bold person in that regard. But I'm not going to say I'm brilliant. I think I have to stop there. But um, yeah, but it's like three B words that are just sum up things in such a, a great way. But it also, you know, kind of follows my book, right? Heart, smart and courage, brave, bold and brilliant. And um, yeah, so it, it had me written all over it. I love, love the title of your podcast. It is amazing and wonderful as are you. Oh, you see, you say all the right things. I love that. No, but Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, I've loved our conversation. I'm so excited for the future for you. And thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope to see you again soon, Jeanette. Absolutely. Maybe this time over your side of the pond will be good. Would I would love that. Make sure you let me know when you're coming. Will do. Will do. Thanks, Lisa. My pleasure. Bye. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.